Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network, the podcast. Emily, what are we talking about this week? So we are going to talk about uh, a follow-up to last week. So last week, you talked about what can you and can't you say as a financial coach. Today, we are going to talk about, all right, I want to be able to give investment advice. What do I need to do in order to be able to do that? Okay. And let's define give investment advice. Really. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's kind of the big question, isn't it? Yeah. So a lot of people will say, well, I want to be able to, you know, tell people go, you know, follow Dave Ramsey's portfolio. Okay. That is investment advice, right? Yes. A lot of people will say, well, I, you know, I'm not giving investment advice. I'm just educating people. If the education is about investments and what they should do, then it is likely investment advice. Or, well, I'm not managing money. I'm just telling them how they should invest their 401k. That is investment advice. That's <laughs> definitely investment advice. Right. Yeah. So managing money is a level above, right? That's called discretion. That's a level above uh, giving investment advice. Right. Custody would be a level above that, right? Right. So there, there's, when we talk about like the legal requirements, Managing money is not like the base level. That's above the base Pretty level. High. Yeah. yeah. It's actually a couple levels above the base level. Yeah. Custody is even higher. Right. And so when we look at this, anytime you tell someone or give someone education or talk to someone about what they should do with investments, that is going to be investment advice. Right. The SEC has a document. I wrote a kind of a summary of that document of what the SECs considers to be investment advice. And from what the SEC has stated, it is pretty easy to interpret that even a statement like index funds are better than actively managed funds could be construed as investment advice by the SEC and get you in trouble. Right? Because they might listen and do that and it might not be in their best interest. It's not even it a matter of in their best interest or not. Right. right. He doesn't it care doesn't whether your advice was good or not. Okay. Good point. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it, when people say, well, yeah, but that's true. People should be doing that. Okay. That's still, you're not allowed to do that if you're holding yourself out as an advisor. And if you are a coach, it doesn't matter. You call yourself a coach. You are still advising people about their money. You are helping people with their money. You're doing it for money or some other form of compensation. Right. And as a result, you then have to follow these rules, right? Yeah. So yeah, so those, so that's kind of the definition of giving advice, right? Yeah. It's much broader than right. most people think. Right. Right. Okay. So now let's talk about what you have to do. 
Yeah. Okay. So do you have any upfront questions? Oh gosh. I mean, I have a bunch of questions, but if you want to just talk, you can. And then if you don't answer it, I can ask follow-up questions. Okay. So okay. is one of your questions about the CFP? That's kind of intertwined in some of the other ones. So. Okay. So one thing I'll see a lot posted in the Facebook community, our Facebook community, as well as other places is people will say, oh, well, you need to get a CFP. Oh. Well, that's not my question. No. <laughs> okay. So you'll see a lot of people say that that's the way you, you can do it. Can. No, it's not. <laughs> it's actually bigger. That's too big almost, right? It's it not even depends on what you big. want to do. It's not even that it's too big. It's that if you have a CFP, that does not allow you to give investment advice because the CFP is not a government license and it's a government license that you need in order to do this. Right. Um, now, a lot of people say, yeah, but CFPs can do get registered as an investment advisor without having to take the test. Yes. In many states, if you are a CFP, you do not have to take the registered investment advisor test, the Series 65, but right. you still have to register. All it's right. done is taking away the test part of it. Right. You have to go through the licensing and registration. And so whether you right. took the test or have the CFP, you are still need to be licensed as, in this case, an investment advisor or right. one of the other licenses. So, and this is not me knocking the CFP. I love the CFP. Right. right. You have it. You I have it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it's not, getting the CFP is not sufficient, right? You have to be licensed. Right. There's so, so much more to it. That is the licensing. Yes. So yeah. That's actually, it was kind of, well, that was one of the questions I had was around like, which is the right license for you? And that's, that's kind of the first question you should ask. Well, one mm -hmm. of the first questions you get is like, what, what do you want to do? And what do those different licenses allow you to do? And that kind of takes you to two tiers, the fiduciary or the, the suitability standard, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's kind of where you need to figure out where you want to go first, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the licenses. What are the licenses? Okay. I think I finally, well, no, I don't understand them, but <laughs> yeah, well, what do you explain it again? Well, we're going to go, we're going to put them into two broad categories. Okay. okay. So the, the two broad categories are the licenses to sell products, financial products. Right. A whole bunch of things fall under that. So yep. that's, that's one category. And then the other broad category is license to give advice without selling financial products. Right. On the license to sell financial products side of it, there are different licenses for all the different financial products. Okay. You will <laughs> that's be why I got confused then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you will be selling them on commission because they are all licensed to blah, blah. Try that again. They are all licenses to sell financial products on commission. Every single one. Okay. okay. So what are those? So if you want to sell financial products or if you're in that broad category of right. all the licenses that are to sell financial products, you're going to be selling on commission. Right. And each type of financial product has its own license. So if you want to sell commodities contracts, that would be the Series 3. Okay. If you want to sell stocks and bonds, that would be the Series 6. If you want to sell, uh, I'm sorry, that would be the Series 7. If you want to sell mutual funds or variable annuities, or unit investment trusts, similar to a mutual fund, 
right? Okay. That's going to be the series six. Okay. I said that right the second time. And there's and there's more of these, I assume. Oh, there's tons more. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a whole bunch of them that are licenses to manage people who sell it, uh, products, right? Um, so there's a license for the management of all of these. And the, or the insurance license, right? The okay. state insurance license. So all of those okay. were federal licenses. And then there's the state's insurance license. Uh, interestingly, variable annuities are under the series six, but other types of annuities would be under the insurance license. So it kind of depends on okay. what type of insurance product, because annuities are insurance products, right? Um, they're anti-life insurance, right? <laughs> right. The, yeah. um, so annuities are, uh, they, they have two different sets of licenses depending on the type of annuity that it is. Okay. So if somebody wanted to go down this route, mm -hmm. could they find information on what the right thing for them is? I think a lot of it would depend. Well, let's go to the other broad category. Okay. Okay. Yep. And the other broad category is the uh, licenses to, to give advice. Right. Which is probably more what most people want. Probably. In this group, I would think. Yeah. So there's two of those. License to give advice. One of them is a pure license to give advice. That's what I have, which is the Series 65. Yeah. And that is the license as an investment advisor. And it basically is a license to advise people on what they should do, but you cannot sell products. Okay. Now, I have been misquoted. And oh. interpreted in news stories when I've explained this to reporters. And they've said, so if you want to actually do the investments, you'd have to go to a different company. Oh. No, you can, a, a registered investment advisor can still manage assets. Yeah. Assets under management, right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just not selling stocks or bonds on commission. Right. Right. So when I do a trade, I get no money for making that trade. Right. You're just helping the client. That's it. Yeah. Just going, uh, utilizing a custodian to facilitate the trades. The custodian facilitates the trade and just doing the things that need to be done in order to manage the client's investment. Right. Yeah. Uh, the Series 66 straddles both categories. Okay. So it is um, both the 63, which we haven't talked about yet. Well, let's do the series 63 first. Yeah, because I was reading about that this morning, that it's the combo. Okay, so yeah. go ahead and finish. Yeah. yeah, so the series 63 combines the six and the seven. So if someone has a series 63, that means that they can sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds, variable annuities, unit investment trusts, right? All sorts of things. Okay. The 66 combines the 63 and the 65. Okay. So that's someone that can give investment advice and can sell stocks and bonds and mutual funds and variable annuities and everything else on commission. Okay. Right. So they're not truly fiduciary then? No, it depends on which side of the aisle they're on. And so we'll talk about that in a second. The yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Because I, my financial advisors, one is a series 65 and the other one is series 66. So 
Yeah. So now, now you're, I'm wondering what's going on here. Yeah. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So when we when we look at the at these different series licenses, for most financial coaches, especially the ones that say I don't want to manage money, I just want to advise people. The series 65 is probably going to be the correct license. Okay. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that that is the one that all financial coaches have. There's a lot of financial coaches in financial coaches community that are part of the multi-level marketing programs, right? The yeah. Prime Americas, World Financial Groups, different things like that. Yeah. And those uh, generally require a series, uh, state insurance license and a series six. Okay. Right? There's a lot of annuities that are sold through those. There's a lot of mutual funds that are sold through those that are commission-based mutual funds, different things like that. And then, of course, the insurance license because of the life insurance and other things sold through this. And basically, those are the licenses you're going to get for all of the multi-level marketing ones. Now, some of the multi-level marketing companies also have a Series 65 division or arm, okay. but it's very, very rare that starting off with one of them, you're going to get the series 65 and you're pretty much never, I've never seen one willing to be proven wrong, but so far I haven't seen yeah. one. Anybody wants to come. Okay. Do you and, have both? They'll have series 65. Sometimes they'll have the 65 and, yeah. but in many, many firms, the series 65 is something that you have to get after you've been there for a while. You can't get it right away. Okay. And the reason why is because the company that hired you, whether it's Mass Mutual, whether it's Edward Jones, whether it's you know whatever other company that's out there, they have very, very little liability for you if you're a sales rep. Because right. neither the sales rep nor the company has a fiduciary obligation, meaning an obligation to do what's in the best interest of the client. With insurance products, it is a suitability standard. What that means is as long as it's not batshit crazy, <laughs> you can totally give that advice, even if it is terrible, horrible advice, even if any reasonable person would say that is not the best thing for, the, for this person, even right. if 99% of unreasonable people said it's not the best thing for this person. The question isn't, is it the best? The question isn't, is it good? Is, is it suitable? And okay. suitable just means, could you come up with some way that it could help them? Okay. Okay. Right? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it has to get pretty, pretty far out there. And there's some right. really crazy court cases where you would think, how is that even legal? And it, yeah, meets the suitability standard. Yeah. Interesting. Brokers now, so now we're talking about uh, Series 7, right? Right. Brokers have what's called the best interest standard. Okay. okay. What that says is effectively, and so they, they the, the regulators borrowed language from the fiduciary standard but made it very clear that it's not a fiduciary standard, went out of their way to make sure it wasn't a fiduciary <laughs> standard. And so what the best interest standard basically says is, broadly speaking, 
you have to disclose everything, right? So all of the conflicts of interest you have to disclose. Uh, okay. This led to some very interesting language in contracts, right? On the broker side. Yeah. Um, you know, things where if people actually read the entirety of the contract, they probably would never sign it. Right. But it's on page 87. Right. We don't right? make it that far. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the disclosure is the big thing with the best interest, with the best interest standard. And then the next level up, the Series 65 currently is the only license that has a fiduciary standard. And a fiduciary standard is not that you can't place your client's interest above your own, right? Sorry, not that you can't place your own interest above the client's, right? But you have to place the client's interest above your own. So, and, and while that sounds like, oh, well, that sounds like exactly the same thing. Those are two very, very different things, right? On the one hand, you can't place your interests above the clients means if you have a, a number of different things and they're relatively close to each other, you can still choose a thing that's not quite as good for the client. Right. If it pays you better. Got it. As long as you disclose it. Placing the client's interest above your own means, A, you have to do what's in the best interest of the client, and B, you have to disclose any potential conflicts of interest related to that. Right. And that's like, where do you have to, where do you display those uh, conflicts of interest? So there's no real requirement, legal requirement to do it. But if you're in a court case, you're going to need some form of documentation for it. Right. 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 So most most people would want to. um, Most people would want to have document like a document. Some people go as far as having a document that client signs. Okay. There's a lot of document that they create and upload and make accessible to the client and let the client know that it's there. Okay. Right. Um, so with all of that, let's talk about how would you go about getting these different licenses? Yes. Um, yes. So first category, the uh, sales category, the sales license category. Okay. In order to get one of those sales licenses, you have to be sponsored by a company. Right? Okay. Yeah. You are not being licensed as a financial advisor. You are not being licensed as an investment advisor. You are being licensed as a sales rep. That is literally legally what you are. Okay. You are a representative. Like the title on the license is registered representative, <laughs> right? And, it, and like the official websites, you call the broker. Is that what they the term they use on like the? SEC? So technically, they're supposed to call themselves a rep- registered representative of a broker dealer. Okay. Right? That is usually in like four point font, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, in, in the, you know, written in black on the black background of the logo, right? <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, same thing with an insurance agent. They are a, uh, a sales agent of the insurance company. So when people say, well, why do I have to have mm-hmm. a company? Well, because if you are an agent of a company, if you're a sales agent of a company, that means you have to have a company that you're an agent for. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you um, that would be kind of like saying, 
you know, well, why do I have to work at Google in order to be a Google employee? It sounds right. weird, like I'm, I'm being right. like, even by saying it, but it's like, it's literally the same thing. But could you start your own company if you wanted to sell products? Then you'd have to have a completely different set of licenses in order to be a, yeah. And that far, 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 far more work. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But could you do it? Yes. Highly, very, very difficult. A lot, lot more work, okay. lot more regulation. Yeah. Um, so that's the first option is find a company and get okay. registered with them. Now, technically, you are only supposed to give investment advice that is incidental to the sale of a product. So in other words, okay. if you are registered as a, uh, let's say, with, as the, with the series um, six, right, selling packaged investment products, okay. and then you're charging to give in, advice and your advice is go get index funds or whatever else. Completely different. Yeah. Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Not supposed to do that. And in fact, you, if you're charging at all without a series 65, that is uh, like, that is a violation as well. Okay. And the reason why, and there was a big uh, lawsuit. Um, in fact, one of the big professional associations in the industry uh, got rid of the uh, the financial planning association got rid of all of its brokers in it because they pursued a lawsuit to stop brokerage companies usually series six and series seven licensed yeah uh, brokerage companies from charging to give advice unless they were also registered as series 65. Okay. Right. So uh, there was a big, big class action lawsuit uh, against that, that the FPA brought, uh, brought against the SEC because they were allowing oh. it to happen. Okay. And so is that why a lot of people end up doing both? Yes. Because if you want to give, if a advisor wants to sell these products and also give investment advice okay. and charge a fee for it, then they have to have both. Okay. But or, they don't have to disclose when they're giving advice one way or the other. So now let's talk about the 65, okay. right? So step one, all the other licenses, get hired by a company, study for the test, take the test. You can now give investment advice provided that it is to sell a product and that you're selling that product. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. All right. Next option is the series 65. Series 65 is the registered investment advisors license. That is the license that is you get paid money, you give investment advice. Right. For the vast majority of people who are financial coaches who are also thinking about doing this, right? Yeah. This is probably the license that they'd be looking for. Okay. So there's two options here. So this one, you do not necessarily need a company. Right. So you can be sponsored by a company but you don't have to be sponsored by a company. And the, when you, so your first, so you, so your two options with this one are get hired by a company or start your own registered investment advisory firm. Right. Okay. Which, you know, taking the test is the easy part. 
it's <laughs> the regulatory stuff that you have to do that's much, much more difficult. Well, that's kind of what I was concluding when I was reading some of these posts on our, on our yeah. page. That like, okay, so you have you passed the test. Now what? Because yeah. there's a lot there. There's a lot you have to do. Yeah. Is that the benefit of going to a company first is that you can learn some of that? I mean, it, no, because you're, you're, if you go to a company, unless you're getting hired in the compliance department, you're not going to learn any of the compliance stuff. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, the, uh, I will teach my staff, right? So I do teach my staff about it, especially the registered staff about it, partially just to teach them, right? So that they understand. Um, but generally speaking, you're going to, you're going to understand a lot of it because that's what the test is about. That's what the series 65 is about. Right. Okay. You're not actually going to do it. Right. It's highly unlikely that if you're a investment advisor representative, so an investment advisor at a registered investment advisory firm at an RA, it's yeah. highly unlikely that you're going to be involved in a, um, regulatory audit unless you're just being asked to gather information it's very unlikely okay. going to be involved in filing the adv right? right you'll be involved in answering the questions that need to be answered but not in actually completing that on the compliance side so for example i need to know about all of the accounts and all of the trades within the accounts that my uh, IAR rep, uh, advisors at my okay. firm have. Okay. So I need to get copies of all of that. Okay. And I need to make sure that they are not doing anything in their accounts that could harm clients. Okay. So an example of something that wouldn't happen at a firm of my size, but absolutely could happen at Merrill Lynch, right? Yeah. Be trading ahead of the clients, right? So a client that has a bunch of clients that have, um, you know, $100 million worth of Tesla stock, right? Yeah. And they all put orders in to sell the Tesla stock all at once. Uh Okay. This side. This is why it wouldn't happen to my firm. Right. 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 Uh, but they all put orders in at once to drop the Tesla stock. So they go in, and the and the person that's doing these trades sells their Tesla stock, puts their order in first, and then okay. puts the client's order in in order to okay. avoid the price drop that would happen. Right. 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 Um, so you that, look for those kind of things. Like the company looks for those kind of things. Yeah, the company would look for those kind of things. Now, it, yeah. Um, you also have to, your emails are going to be watched, right? Right. Um, you're going to have a, your social media needs to be archived. Your website right. needs to be archived. So there's a service you have to pay for that. Your emails need to be archived for uh, five years. Meaning, and archive doesn't mean you save them. Archive means they are saved in a way that you don't have the ability to alter or delete them. Ah, okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, just because a service says, hey, we will archive your emails for you, that does not mean it meets the regulatory right. requirement, right? Right. Uh, you also have to be very, very careful about your language, right? So 
you know, I have a lot of clients that ask me, you know, well, what are your, what are the investment returns of the average client? I cannot give you that. Yeah. Right. And, and the reason why is twofold. Number one, it's irrelevant to you. Yeah. Right. Because if you put your hand in a pot of boiling water and your other hand in an ice cube, on average, you're, you're comfortable, right? The temperature's nice. And the same thing with clients. I've got okay. one client that's 93 and I've got another client that's 22. Right. The average is inappropriate for both. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the other reason is the second you start to mention here arrive the returns, there is an enormous regulatory regime that, that comes into play of a whole bunch of things that I have to do to make sure that I am not misleading people with those numbers. Right. Don't do it because it would be a pain in the butt to have to do. Yeah. So the, the biggest thing with the series 65 is honestly not taking the test. Right. Right. It's the regulatory compliance that comes after it. Yeah. Um, and even the writing of the ADV, you do not want to just copy and paste that. Right. Because as a series 65 person, you have to be um, your ADV. This is the form that you file with the SEC. That is a document that is available to the public. And the reason why they make it available to the public is so that it can be used in court against you. Right. (laughs) Right. So because you said this in your ADV, but you didn't do it. Got it. And so you want to be very, you know, the, 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 there is liability associated with this as well. Now, I'm not discouraging anyone from doing it, but don't do it just because right. <laughs> you want to be able to, you know, talk a little bit about someone's 401k. Right. This is a very minor part of your, of what you want to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the solution to this is something that we are working on, and it's yeah, complexity is it is a little taking longer than it's uh, than it is going to take a long time to get it done the way that we need it to. But we will have a basically a series sixty five registered investment advisor support regulatory support program that's available to coaches. Uh, but because it's so complex, we're not going to make it available to any coach, regardless of their business model, right? It, it has to be something where, you know, it's a very specific thing, which is you're not managing assets. You're not selling insurance products or other things. Very straightforward. You're just talking to people about their 401k so that you have more of a CIYA type thing, right? Right. Very straightforward, very simple, because the second we start getting into people getting other types of licenses or managing investments or other things like that, um, it's going to get too complex for us to be able to provide any type of realistic support. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get it elsewhere. There's companies that do all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, But, you know, the... It is a very complex thing. And as you add more layers to it, the complexity gets harder, faster. Yeah. So 
the choice between starting your own RIA and just going to work for a company. If you have zero experience, well, you're saying it doesn't really matter <laughs> how much experience you have. Starting your own RIA is it's just a lot of work and you have to be so, prepared for that. So what would yeah. make more sense for some? I mean, if somebody wanted to stay as a coach, but mm-hmm. still give investment advice, I mean, are there companies out there that would be willing to sponsor somebody? So as far, if you're selling, if you're selling products on commission, yes, there are absolutely companies out there. They will try to recruit you. That's why there's MLMs, right? right. They, they have right. no problem bringing you in. Yeah. That's uh, an easy one. <laughs> that's an easy one. Yeah. So if you're going to sell uh, products on commission, you know, you can get 12 job offers, uh, you know, within 30 seconds, <laughs> Yes. right? Post your resume on monster and have, throw in some financial oriented words into your resume and you'll get job offers sent to you. I get those all the time. Yeah. And I don't ask for it. Yeah. Uh, so those are the easy ones. That's, that's a simple one. Uh, keep in mind, if you then say, well, I'm going to charge for my coaching, it's probably going to be problematic unless that coaching leads to the sale of one of those products. Right. Yeah, I don't. And I think a lot of them. Or it is pro is potentially problematic, and your compliance department at the company you're working for may right. say you have to give up charging for coaching. You can do it for free. As right. Long as you I, have products. I've heard end. that that a lot of them will do that. They'll yeah. tell you, you can't coach anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You can still coach. You just have to not charge for it. <laughs> right. And the end of the coaching is selling a product. Right. And then, yeah. Right. I kind of like, Not why are you doing it? Then? Like, is that really what you're looking for in the first place? Right. Like, what you need to ask yourself. Yeah. So that, that's option number one. Option number two is, is the series 65. And assuming you don't want to start your own firm, which I would not recommend starting it without support. Yeah. Right. The, so option number two is going to work for a registered investment advisor and working for a registered investment advisor. Um, that's going to be a difficult thing to do in all honesty. And the reason why is because the liability is so high. Right. Um, I actually have a couple of people that I've started to do that with. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it is a good amount of work. And the vast majority of registered investment advisor firms, coaching is not on their radar. Yeah. What they want to do is they want to do, we are a firm that manages assets and that's what you're coming in to do is that part of the business, right? Um, You know, whether they're managing assets on an AUM model or they're managing assets, you know, not is, you know, they're working with that type of client. Right. 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 The... And the coaching side of it is kind of not really on the radar for them, for most firms. I've talked with a number of people from this community um, that they went to work for a registered investment advisory firm. And (laughs) they they said, hey, we want to do this coaching thing. We want you to be, you know, to, to head it up for us and start it up for us and so on and so forth. And it just failed miserably. And they failed miserably and they left or were fired because yeah. there was no support. 
There was no, they didn't want to put resources behind it. They, it sounded like a great idea if we could hire someone and let them just figure it out. Right. Uh, but, you know, they, it was really set up for failure. And this is not like a one-off thing. I've talked to a number of financial coaches who have had that experience. And so if you're going to go to a, a firm like that, I would highly recommend finding one that already has an established functioning financial coaching model. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, Because if you don't, you're not going to get the support that you need. Right. For a lot of people who say, well, I don't need the support. I've got my own program. No, no, no. Your program has to fit within their regulatory regime. Right. You have to follow the the rules then too. Yeah. The client, it's a client of the firm. Yeah. So all of the same regulatory stuff comes into play. Yeah. And I will tell you right now, Dave Ramsey will not, Dave Ramsey's investment advice will not, and I'm not, I am a little bit picking on Dave Ramsey, <laughs> but uh, it will not um, meet regulatory burden. It absolutely right. will. It, it is extremely, extremely, extremely not regulatory compliant. <laughs> yeah, can I tell my my story about that? Yeah, <laughs> I had um, I had a, a a prospect call me and or contact me through the Dave Ramsey program, and oh gosh, I hope I don't get trouble for saying this. Um, <laughs> and he he had contacted multiple investment advisors that were recommendations from that group, and he, he was coming to me because he was frustrated that he couldn't get any of them to uh, to invest in the Dave Ramsey way. So it was the, you know, the, the, the four, four groups that he recommends, 25% in each. He couldn't get any of them to do that. And it was because they were all fiduciary and they, they just couldn't do it. And so he didn't understand it. So I had to explain to him what fiduciary meant. And then I kind of, kind of got him to understand exactly. He came to that conclusion of like, Oh, so they can't recommend that because they can't do that because it's not in my best interest. Exactly. It, it, well, it's not even that it's not in your best interest. It wouldn't even likely meet a suitability standard. <laughs> okay, right. right. That really, really low bar because one right. of the, because it's not, and, and this is not just a, these four things. Dave Ramsey has actually done tweets around the idea of bonds. It says no one should own bonds. Right. Don't invest in bonds. It, it was a list of a whole bunch of stuff that he said, but bonds was on yeah. that. You cannot have a client. No government regulator would allow you to have a client of um, what, you know, maybe a client in their 20s or 30s. You could get away with this. Right. right. It's that would not be in their best interest. Right. Yeah. Mathematically, a small allocation to bonds is mathematically very helpful for a portfolio and not for risk reduction purposes, although that does help too, right? But, um, you know, once you get in people into their like 40s, but definitely 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, a 0% allocation to bonds and, and not using things like, you know, fixed indexed annuities or something else to lower the risk right. of the portfolio, right? Right. That That is absolutely illegal. Yeah. There's no way that you can justify that that's even suitable. Yeah. Right. In all fairness, 
he's not giving investment advice for a fee, right? He is not charging. Oh, he's not. Yeah, he's he's a celebrity. Yeah. Right. And so that's why he doesn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, now let's take it out of Dave Ramsey and go broader. Susie Orman, um, you know, anyone else that's out there, it doesn't matter who it is. Right. Right. They all are in the same boat. They are not giving investment advice for a fee. Yeah. So taking their advice and utilizing it for clients, not not just Dave Ramsey, any celebrity. Right. Any of them. Yes. Very, very dangerous thing. Yeah. I just use Dave Ramsey because that's my experience. (laughs) Right. And he does a lot of really good things. So I'm not, I'm not bashing him. Yeah, I do. I use Dave Ramsey because I know a lot of people in our community, in the Facebook community are, and and people listening to our podcast as well are familiar. Yeah. And it's not to say Ramsey is bad, but it's to say, this is an area that you can get into trouble with. And so a lot of people could potentially be having that problem. So as a coach, we need to be careful. Yeah. As the coach. Yeah. 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 And I care about the coach, not Dave Ramsey. He's, he's doing okay. Even the Dave Ramsey coaches. Yeah. Care about that. Yes. Oh yes. Of course we yeah. do. Yeah. I, yeah. I was one. Come you on. being one of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you cared about me. Yeah. yeah. So those are your options. None yeah. of them sounded very fun. I know. No, they didn't. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. This doesn't sound good to me, but you know, if anybody has any other questions, let us know and we can uh, try and answer them in the chat. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.